0: Well, hey, friends, good to be with you. We doing good? Yeah? You ready for worship today? We are glad that you're here and hope this time will be a blessing for you. If you haven't checked in, I do want to encourage you each week uh, with that QR code that's in your pew or just in the app. Uh, we like to know you're here, but we also want to connect with you, and this is the best way for us to do that. So if you don't mind doing that, we would sure appreciate it. It always helps us to get to know you just a little bit better. So last week we started this new worship series called Take Jesus With You, and the whole premise is to help us realize that we need to take Jesus with us wherever we go, that it's more than just this one hour on Sunday morning or even two hours on Sunday morning. That's good. We're grateful that you're here and hope that you get something out of this worship service, but there's really something more to this faith, right, than just an hour on Sunday morning. And so part of our goal was to Help us each learn every single week ways that we can take Jesus with us into the workplace, into our homes, into our communities, our neighborhoods. Uh, Any place we go, we're trying to take Jesus with us, right? One of the ways we tried to encourage at the end of last week's particular service was uh, to hand out those uh, small uh, pocket crosses on the keychain and the wind-up Jesuses. And the wind-up Jesus is really for for the kids, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to name names, but there were a lot of adults who took the wind-up Jesus. And so I I hope and expect that you'll take the wind-up Jesus with you wherever you go, whether in your car or on your desk at work or uh, maybe uh, at at your house, I I hope you'll take Jesus with you. That's the whole goal. And a part of what we discovered and talked about last week was this beautiful imagery of, of breathing in God's ways so that we can breathe out God's will into the world, that we've got to breathe in God's ways in so many different ways so that we can help take in who He is so that we can then share Him in the world. And of course, we talked about our own oxygen mass, right, that much like in the airplane, we've got to put on our own oxygen mass so that we can get the sustenance we need in Jesus so that we can then share Him in the world. And we talked about seven specific spiritual practices that we believe here at TREACH are core, foundational to what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to breathe Him in. And so just by way of review, I want to highlight those uh, to help remind us how important these seven foundational spiritual practices are. We talk first, of course, about Scripture, that this is foundational to who we are and that we need to know God's Word and read God's Word on a regular basis. We need to be in prayer, connection with God, communication with God, to find our uh, relationship with God. We need to be in worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but with our lives, in our workplaces, in our homes, to celebrate God and to give thanks for all that God does, right? We need to be in service to the world to help alleviate suffering and to help relieve the issues that are at hand. We also need to be in community in small groups, Bible studies, Sunday school classes. That's where we find our strength, our encouragement, and that helps build us up as the body of Christ. We also need to be a witness for Jesus with the things that we say and the things that we do, the way people encounter us. May they know the good news through who we are, right? And then finally, of course, all of that leads to generosity to the ways in which our spirit gives giving of our time, our energy, our talent, our dollars, all of that is a generosity uh, that we want to practice. And what we believe was those seven practices help us breathe in God's ways so that we can breathe out God's will. And when we do that, it makes a tremendous difference not only in our lives but in the world. It's why a couple of years ago we developed this instrument we call the Blueprint for Spiritual Wellness. And it's a simple check. It's a digital tool that we encourage you to take. You can go to tmumc.org slash blueprint, take you about 15, maybe 20 minutes, and it helps identify where you are in engaging those spiritual practices and then gives you instant feedback with regard to some of the spiritual practices you might want to work on or might want to strengthen and encourage yourself in because when all seven practices are, are hitting on all pistons, they make a tremendous difference in how we're breathing in God. I also want to highlight that right outside the doors as you exit today, there are great big QR codes on a lot of the posts. Those QR codes, if you'll scan them with your phone, will take you directly either to the Blueprint for Spiritual Wellness or any one of those seven spiritual practices that you may want to know more about. You may want to know more about being a witness for Jesus. You may want to know more about how you can pray and the various forms that it can take. You may want to know about forms of service. And if you'll just scan those QR codes for each of those seven practices, it will give you specific and and very clear information about ways that you can practice breathing in and breathing out the breath of God for the world. And you may recall, if you were with us last Sunday, we also said that not only are these practices vital, but they are helping point us to the very nature of what Jesus told us we were to do, which is to build God's kingdom, to help build God's kingdom here on earth. You just prayed for it in the Lord's Prayer. We do it every single week. Some of us do it every single day. It reminds us that this is what we're to be about. Remember, we were in Matthew chapter 6 last week, and the very last verse, chapter 6, verse 33, quite literally just said, seek God's kingdom above all else. You notice there's no asterisk there. It's not like, you know, do family more or do work more or do recreation more. No, it says, seek God's kingdom above everything. And if indeed that's the case, then that's what we ought to be about. And we believe that the breathing in of these practices helps us breathe out God's kingdom and helps us focus on our uh, work for, for building god 's kingdom. it 's a powerful imagery for all of us. This is how we take Jesus with us, is we breathe in god 's kingdom values so that we can breathe out god 's will and god 's ways in the world, so that we can build god 's kingdom. Well, a part of what we realize is that 's not just us, right? We need to do this. This is important. But a part of what we also realize is we need to help children, our children the church's children, the children in community. We need to help all children understand that they too can take Jesus with them. Because if we don't, they'll never know of Jesus' love, nor will they know how it is they can build God's kingdom and how it is they can breathe in abundant life and, and know the, the richness that God has in store for them. And so a part of our guide is to know that Jesus has yet another teaching for us about the ways in which we ought to build God's kingdom. And in part, It comes through the children, ours, theirs, and everybody's. We're in Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter this morning, and I want to share with you just a couple of words that Jesus shared with both His disciples and those who gathered with Him one day, and He had a very important lesson for them about how to help the children take Jesus with them. Here's what Jesus said. People were bringing little children to Him in order that He might touch them. But when Jesus saw this, I'm sorry, uh, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, He was indignant and said to the disciples, Let the little children come to Me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And He took them in His arms, laid His hands on them, and blessed them. So notice, Jesus is not only receiving the children, not only helping people to come to Him, but He's teaching yet again about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the very foundation of what He wants us to be about, which is to build His kingdom. And He has some interesting insight, right? So He's teaching, and and people are wanting to come to Jesus, in particular the children, and His very own, the twelve, the, the twelve that He called, the people that have been listening to Him and hearing Him and understanding Him, they didn't quite get it, so they're trying to scatter the kids. Hey, don't get in His way. He's, he's got a lesson here. He's trying to do His thing. Can you guys just not get in His way? And Jesus became upset, right? And His, his words of wisdom were powerful because they, they spoke not only to the crowd and to the children, but they speak to us as well. And a part of what they share is this great insight that the kingdom belongs to these children. Did you hear that? That's what Jesus said, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And when I hear that and read that, I had to initially think to myself, does that mean only kids get in the kingdom? I mean, is it really only for children? Is that what He's saying? I don't think so. But I do think that what He's saying is uh, we need to be a little bit more like those children. And when you think about children, in particular with regard to faith, any children, young children in particular. They just absorb it, don't they? They want to know more. There's a a simplicity about who they are. There's an innocence about who they are. There's a trust about who they are. And there's this clear desire to want more. You see it in every child who's in to kids or who comes to our midweek programs or to any child you've ever tried to share the love of God in. You, You see that they want to know that because intrinsically, children seem to know love. They seem to understand it. They seem to want it. And they seem to also want to share it. And so I think Jesus is just trying to convey to everybody who's gathered there and to you and me that the children can teach us. Don't you love it when you learn a faith based lesson from a child? It's usually pretty powerful. I remember this is several years ago. Our youngest uh, child, Sadie, was about, I think, seven or eight. I can't remember. is was in a previous church, and, and uh, I, you know, I was speaking because that's what I do. And I happened to notice she was writing. And, you know, most parents, when we see our kids writing in the pew, you know, we're pretty indignant. Well, I'm having to talk, and yet I'm feeling the steam come, you know, because I see her writing. And I'm not real clear what she's writing, but, of course, in my head, she's writing little doodles and and nothingness and uh, maybe a note to her friend or whatever. And, And after church, my daughter presented me with a simple little phrase. It said, it's all about worship. That's what she had written. It's all about worship. And then she'd written a second little phrase that simply said, Worship is not about you. Wow. Thank you. Worship is not about us. It's about God. And I learned a lesson that day from my seven-year-old daughter who was uh, engaged enough in a relationship with God to understand that and to teach that to me. And I often reflect on those kinds of childlike lessons, right, that are out of trust in God, innocence in their relationship, and the power of their deep-seated connection with a God who loves them and whom they love. You see, it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And Jesus was trying to help convey that not only to the crowd, but to you and me. And then he takes it just one step further, just in case we didn't quite get it, just in case we didn't fully understand. He says, we've got to become like these little children in order to enter the kingdom of God. And I know every last one of us in this room who is over the age of 25 wants to become like a child again, right? When I was 15 or when I was 10 or when I was 8, I wanted to be an adult, right? But then once I became an adult, guess what I wanted to be? And guess what you wanted to be? We wanted to be a child again, didn't we? And in part, what we mean when we say that is we want to be innocent, we want life to be simple, and we want to be able to trust the world like we once trusted the world. Jesus is calling us to that. In fact, in in Matthew's gospel, in the 18th chapter, Jesus was just a, a slightly bit more clear when He was sharing this same bit of information and Matthew was telling it to us. In Matthew 18, He just says, Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like these children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And so I believe a part of what He's trying to witness to us about is we've got to become more trusting. We have to be more willing to commit ourselves to God's trust. We have to be willing to sort of simplify the world's complications and trust that somehow God has a good way for us, trust that somehow God's breath that entered us from the very beginning of creation can fill us with God's love and can fill us with this abundance that we're seeking and can help create within us the capacity to build God's kingdom. Unless we change and become like one of these, we will never enter the kingdom of God. And so it begs for me at least kind of a a twofold understanding. One is we need to become more childlike in the ways in which we follow God, and we need to help our children, God's precious children, ours, ours, and the community's children. They're all precious to God. And our goal and our purpose as followers of Jesus who are trying to build God's kingdom is to help instill within them the breath of God so that they can breathe in God's ways, so that they can breathe out God's will. And it becomes our obligation, it becomes our opportunity as followers of Jesus to help make this possible. You see, it's not just the church's role We want to play a role, and we have a role, but we're not the only role, right? Our Sunday school program and our midweek children's programs are not the only way that kids need to come into a relationship with Jesus. We, as their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their teachers, their, their friends, their family colleagues, we're all a part of this kingdom into which we want to invite them to participate so that when they go off in the world, they can take Jesus with them. I know every parent in this room understands this, but our sole obligation as a parent is to help our children become adults. And if we're people of faith in Jesus, we want to help them become an adult in a relationship with Jesus. And a part of what that means is we got to let them go at some point, right? And at some point, they got to become an adult, and at some point, they've got to go off on their own, and God only knows when that happens, but it's going to happen. And in order for them to be able to take Jesus with them wherever they go, we've got to help them better understand who He is and what He has in store and why it is that relationship is important. I want to reflect on a fabulous Scripture text from the Hebrew Scriptures that helps us identify our role as parents and people in community and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, because all of God's children fall within our purview to help them better understand that they are children of God and they can help build God's kingdom. You may know that in Deuteronomy in chapter 5, there's, a, there's an accounting of the uh, Ten Commandments. And in that, uh, there's a, a listing of how we're going to be in relationship with God and how God can create order out of chaos. And then chapter six begins to say, here's how we can live that out and here's how we can make that true. And I want to take up in verse five of chapter six where it begins to describe to us this process. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. So, first of all, we need to know the commandments. First of all, we need to know God's word. And first of all, we need to keep it in our hearts. And then he says this, Recite them, meaning these words, recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's very straightforward. Now it seems a little odd to us, and, and certainly our Orthodox brothers and sisters literally do what this text says. They have a little post on their head that has the Shema on it and the Ten Commandments, and they put a post. they put a post on their door of their homes to remind them of God's Word, and they recite the Scriptures when they rise and when they go to bed and when they're at home and when they go away. And this is what they do as an Orthodox Jew because that's what they're called to do. But what it says to you and me is not only should we do that, but we also ought to surround our lives with what it is that helps us breathe in God's ways. That's why those seven practices are so critical to breath and to life, because they help us gain the strength we need to help instill in our children what it is that God's doing for us in our lives and in the world. Our Hebrew brothers and sisters have a a great way of telling the stories of God. And the stories of God have powerful ways of impact in our lives and how it is we interface with other people. And we could learn a lesson or two from our Jewish brothers and sisters about how it is they transmit the stories of faith and how it is they commit it to every new generation. Beyond any other faith tradition, I'm convinced that our Jewish brothers and sisters do this the best, because there's not a Jewish household that doesn't understand these stories and understands the impact they have on their lives, and they transmit them to every generation all the time. Here's what I glean that we might be able to do as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, friends who have children and grandchildren and students in our purview The first that I want to suggest that we might learn from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is this, that we've got to model our own beliefs. If you believe in a God of love, then let's love genuinely. If you believe in a God of forgiveness, then let's forgive. If you believe in a God of kindness, then be kind in the world. Let's model what we believe. We need to do this on two levels. One is we can't instill in other children what we don't yet know, right? That's the oxygen mask we talked about last week. We've got to breathe deeply into God's Word and into these practices that help give us the strength to do this. But secondly, our children and the children are watching. You know, I was in youth ministry for a number of years, and I would often have a, a parent of a teenager come up to me, and they'd say, Daniel, man, my, my kid never listens to me, my kid never pays attention, my kid's not following anything I want to know, and I want them to know. And I would say to them, you may not think they're watching, you may not think they're paying attention, but I guarantee you they are, and they're watching everything that we do, good and not so good, right? There are many things my children could tell you that their father has said or done that he is not well pleased with but they've mimicked it because that's what youth do, right? So let's model our faith as best we can so that they will see in us followers of Jesus. It becomes so important. The second thing that we know from Deuteronomy is that we need to read God's Word. We need to read Scripture. We need to do it in a way that our children can understand it. So a big old black book like this might not be helpful but a, a rendering that is uh, on a second or third grade reading level or some of those pictograph books or some of those Bible story books that can help our children use those when they go to bed, maybe getting them ready for school. Maybe we have a devotion. That's why we've committed you to the you Version Bible uh, devotion so that every single day, particularly if you've got teenage students, you can connect them with those daily devotionals that help guide them in Scripture and help connect them to God's Word and help them to better understand. Because what we know, statistically, is the number one. One way to catalyze our faith is to engage with this book, to better understand its ways for our lives so that we can breathe in God, so that we can breathe out God in the world. Let's find ways to engage Scripture with our kids. How we do that is not nearly as important as that we do it on a regular and consistent basis. You know, the author of Timothy put it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3, just said, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's good for teaching and helping us to identify mistakes and correcting us and helping us to train up good character. Those are all phenomenal qualities that we need, and God's Word can help us in that. And so let's spend time with our children in God's Word. The stories are phenomenal. The third thing that I would suggest that this says is that we shouldn't pretend. And here's what I mean by that. Number one, let's not pretend that we have all the answers when our kids ask questions. Because you know what we do when we pretend that we have all the answers? We make up answers. We lie. You know, we don't do it intentionally. It's not our purpose. It's not our end goal to lie. But when we pretend that we've got an answer that we don't really have an answer to, we make stuff up. (laughs) And it's not helpful. The other component that is true is, just as I already mentioned, our kids are watching. And so if we pretend that we've got the answers or if we pretend that somehow we've got all of our life together and that our life is perfect, they see right through it. You know this. Every child and every teenager can spot a phony in an instant. And I'm here to tell us the bad news is none of us has our life together and we're all broken. And it's all right if our kid discovers that every once in a while. And it's also alright for us to say, you know, honey, I don't I don't have that answer. Or I don't really understand that either. It's also all right to say, well, why don't we call the pastor? Or why don't we talk to Miss Julie in the children's ministry, or Miss Steve, Mr. Steve in the youth ministry? Steve has all the answers. You I mean he works with youth, he's gotta have all the answers, right? I pray to God he has all the No. Don't pretend. It's not helpful to pretend. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help anything. Just be real. And if you have questions or concerns, you don't have to share all of this with your child, but in age-appropriate ways, it's all right to acknowledge, I don't really know that answer. But let's find it. Let's work on that together, right? The next one that I hope you will have fun with because I think this is the most fun is, let's tell stories now, not just any stories, friends, but let's tell the biblical stories. I mean, the Old Testament is full of phenomenal stories, right? I mean, there's Daniel in the lion's den. There's Jonah and the big fish. There's, uh, there's uh, creation. There's uh, all kinds of things. Noah and the art. There's all kinds of fun stories, but also share your story because your kid needs to know that You either had a struggle, or you didn't always get it, or it didn't always make sense, and here's how I came to faith, or here's what helped me. Tell your story, because whether you believe it or not, they want to know your story. They want to hear your story. They want to experience how it is you came to know this guy named Jesus. And they want to know whether there were stumbling blocks or whether there was a challenge or whether there was something that caused you uh, to not fully get it. They want to know that because if they don't know that life is real, (laughs) that faith can sometimes be a struggle, then when they struggle, guess what they do? They give up because they just assumed you had it all perfect. And we don't want that. What we want is for them to take Jesus with them wherever they go. And as they do, it will help them breathe in deep and exhale fully, and it will make a tremendous difference. I want to offer you a resource that's really helpful for telling your story and for the next one I'm about to mention. This resource is online. It's called The TheParentQ, C-U-E, TheParentQ.org. It's a website, has all kinds of Christian-based resources, helps you to uh, make Scripture relevant, helps you to know the age-appropriate understanding of where your kid ought to be, what they can know spiritually at various age-appropriate times. It gives you all kinds of resources beyond your imagination. There's an app as well. You can find the app at that website, or you can just go to the Google Play Store or the Apple I Store, and just look up ParentQ, C-U-E, and it will download the app. Are some of us here uh, already using ParentQ? Any of our parents? I know there were several in the 9 o'clock. Um, I want to encourage you because it offers all kinds of insights about how to find spiritually-based resources for our kids. The Next thing I want to highlight is this. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy, it talked about reciting these words when they lay down and when they get up, when they go, and when they are at home. That, to me, that's all about what I'll refer to as teachable moments. Man, there are teachable moments in our lives all the time, whether something at school or maybe something at work if it's a teenager, maybe it's something that happened just the other day, or maybe they forgave somebody and you want to lift it up, or maybe they need to forgive somebody, we need to highlight that. Teachable moments happen all the time, and find ways to allocate that teachable moment to your child in such a way that you help connect them with Jesus. Now, don't make my mistake. My mistake is I love to teach, and therefore, everything is a teachable moment. Don't do that to your kid. But rather, you know, maybe once a week, maybe every other week, there's bound to be a circumstance that just helps them engage with who God is and what God is doing in their lives something they hadn't thought of, something they hadn't realized. And you can connect the dots. And I'm here to tell you they want those moments. Our kids never know how to ask for those moments. They never never know how to point us to those moments, but they're yearning for those moments from us parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles to help them connect the dots of faith. Because I don't know if you've seen this or not, but sometimes faith is challenging. Sometimes it doesn't always make sense, and we need somebody to guide us, and who better than those whom we know and cherish and love. Let's find teachable moments. And then finally, um, I just encourage us to practice prayer. Now, if you have teenagers, you already do this. You pray every day, I'm sure. But prayer is this powerful gift that makes a tremendous difference. And here's the beautiful gift of prayer. There is no wrong way to pray. There isn't. The only wrong way to pray is to not pray. Every way you do it works in this regard. It connects you with the God who made you, and it helps you to know that God better, and it helps you to understand how you can breathe that power of God in and breathe it out every single day. Practice prayer with your children. Whether it's at a meal or before they go to bed, maybe it's a special holiday, maybe it's an issue of concern, maybe it's that they just need help with their homework, pray for and with your children. It will help them to know there is no wrong way. It will help them to know it is a normal part of life. It will help them to know that it doesn't create solutions so much as it creates connections and we all need that, and we need to know that. You see, the Hebrews had this great insight. They knew that for the next generation to understand who God is and what God was doing, they needed to plaster it on their forehead and bind it on their arms and write it on their doors and recite these words when they got up and when they went to bed and when they went out and when they stayed home. And all of that is just a metaphor for make this a part of your routine. Make this a part of your life. Make these practices real because when we do, it not only helps our spiritual journey, but it strengthens us to be able to build God's kingdom. And that's what we're here for, right? It helps us to take Jesus with us wherever we go. And it helps our kids to know that wherever they go, they've got a resource, they've got the source and they've got a capacity beyond who they are in order to do God's goodwill in the world. You know, God's kids really are precious. We know it in our own families. We recognize it in the community, and we need to be a part of it as we seek to build God's kingdom. May it be so for us and for the world as we do God's good work in the world today. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your Son Jesus, for the powerful ways that He helped bring the children to Himself and claims us for their innocence and trust and simplicity. Help us, God, to lay waste to all the complications of this world so that we might claim our trust in You. And help us to breathe deeply these practices that we might pour out their abilities on the children of community so that they too might know your will and your ways and take Jesus with them wherever they go. God, thank you that we have that opportunity. Give us courage to make it real. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.